0: So are you guys already ready for Christmas? Anybody? So nobody's ready for Christmas, apparently. Is anybody really ready for Christmas? Okay, okay, kind of, okay. All right. All right, so if you need a Bible, uh, go ahead and raise your hand, and uh, one of our leaders will be sure to pass one out to you. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Alright, so we have covered a lot of ground this semester, and so let me try and do some review with you on everything that we covered, because clearly you remember everything that we talked about to every word. So here's some things that we looked at this semester. So we started off this semester talking about how as followers of Jesus, we have a mission, and that mission is to go and make disciples, that's the whole theme of what we've been talking about is discipleship. And so from there, we talked about what does it mean to be a disciple? How do we define a disciple? And we looked at Matthew four nineteen, where Jesus says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so for our purposes here, we defined a disciple as someone who follows Jesus with their head, heart, and hands. Then from there, we talked about the goal of discipleship, spiritual maturity, and Christ likeness, and then we spent four weeks looking at the roadmap of discipleship. So, how do we actually make disciples? And those four steps that we looked at were to share, to connect, to minister, and to multiply. And then the last three weeks, we were looking at uh, three main characteristics of a disciple: worshiping, growing, and serving. And so, just as a reminder, if you missed any of these lessons, and you're like, oh, I wasn't here that week, you can go back and listen to the podcast audio of all of our lessons. All you have to do is uh, go on our website, you can follow us on any of the podcast platforms, and just look for the TNT ones, and you can go back and listen to them, because we record the lessons every week, and including tonight's, and so you'll be able to listen back through. If you missed any weeks, if you want to go back uh, and write notes down, whatever, you can do that, all right? So that's just a little bit of a review on where we have been. And so in light of what we've talked about this semester, the question I want you to think about tonight and that we are going to look at is this question, and I want you to really think about this question. Will you go and make disciples? Will you go and make disciples? Because Jesus has clearly called us to go and make disciples, because again, we talked earlier this semester that it's not a matter of if we are called to make disciples, we are called to make disciples, we have a mission, it's whether or not you choose to accept it or not. And so Jesus has called us to go and make disciples, so the question becomes, will you go? Will you go and make disciples? And when I say, will you go, I don't say you as in like a general, like will you, you and y'all, go and make disciples. I mean you as in each and every one of you individually. Not just will you go and make disciples, but each and every one of you. Will you yourself go and make disciples? Because it's not just a mission for us, It's a mission for each and every one of you individually. And so we're going to talk more about this question here tonight. And so um, grab your Bible, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, if you're not sure where Matthew is, you can look in the table of contents in the front. If not, open your Bible halfway, start going to the right, and eventually you will hit Matthew next to Mark, Luke, and John, okay, okay? And no, the the books are not in alphabetical order, so don't get confused by that. So Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 35 through 38. So I'll give you a moment to turn there. And if you're not sure where to go, don't be afraid to ask a friend, ask a neighbor near you, ask a leader. You want to make sure you have it in front of you. So Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 through 38. Now, would someone be willing to read this nice and loud? Because here's your chance to be loud in church, okay? All right, Violet, Violet, I know you can be loud. We all know it, so I want to hear it. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. All right, so verses 35 through 38, please. Please. Very good. Let's snap for Viola. That sounds good. Okay. All right. I think it could have been louder, but that was good. That was a, that was a good, good start. All right. So let's, let's start working through this passage here together. All right. So let's start in verse 37. What is Jesus doing in verse 37? So let, let's, let's discuss here a little bit what's happening right at the beginning. In, sorry, in verse 35. Verse 35. What is Jesus doing in verse 35? Yeah, Jason? Okay, Yeah, he's going through the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues or the places of worship, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and healing every disease and every affliction. And so I think what's important to note here is Jesus was going through all of the cities and villages. So whether it's a well-established area of people or a village, a small little place with even just like one family unit. Jesus was going everywhere, both established, well-populated areas, as well as the smaller, maybe on-the-fringe areas. And you might look at that and go, okay, he's going throughout cities and villages. Like, What's the big deal? But this is why Bible study is important, to go deeper, because he went to the big areas and he went to the small areas. And what does that tell us? The message of Jesus is for everyone. The message of Jesus is for everyone, There was no type of area that Jesus avoided. Remember when we looked at John chapter 4 earlier this semester with the woman at the well? The disciple said, hey, Jesus, let's go this way. He's like, nope, we're going this way. He stepped in to those areas because the message of Jesus is for all people. You will never meet a person who the gospel is not made for. And so we see Jesus going everywhere. And as he's going, he's not just sightseeing. He's not just taking selfies in all the areas and just, you know, doing his thing. He's not on this sightseeing trip. He's on a mission to teach, to proclaim, and to heal. That's what he's doing teaching the Word of God, proclaiming the good news, the message of salvation. He was healing people of every disease and every affliction. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew exactly who he was. How often do we as Christians, we want to try to fade into the background. We like, okay, we don't want people to know maybe that we're a Christian. Jesus is like, uh, no, you are all going to know who I am and why I'm here. So this is what he's doing. He's going everywhere into every area, big, small, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. And so let's look at what happens next. Verse 36. Follow along with me. Let me read it again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So let's, let's look at this verse. When Jesus sees the crowd, how does he respond? And so look at right here, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, what? What happened? He had compassion. Everyone say compassion. Okay, now say it again. Compassion. Okay. Jesus had compassion. Okay. Why did he have compassion? Just because? Why? What do you see here? In verse 36, intent. Why did Jesus have compassion? Jason, I'll be brother. Okay, go ahead. Okay, they were harassed and helpless. And then what description does he give after that? Like what? You got me? Like sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless. And then he goes on to describe how helpless they were, like sheep without a shepherd. And so remember, a shepherd is someone who cares for sheep. And sometimes we see these pictures of shepherds, you know, and there's, all, and there's like cool old frames, and, you know, the shepherds, they're just like chilling up on the rock, and the sheep are just, you know, hanging out. And I remember growing up thinking, that must be an easy job. They just sit around and watch them. Like, that's got to be so easy. But when you actually study about what being a shepherd looked like in that time, there's no way I'd be qualified for that. Maybe even Bear Gryllis couldn't be a shepherd at that point. Of all the things that they had to do, because they had to fight off um, wild animals, protecting, feeding, caring for sheep. They stopped at nothing to protect their flock, to the point where a shepherd was willing to lay down their life. I mean, David fought off like mountain lions and bears and stuff. I'd be like, no, thank you. So he saw the crowds and he had compassion. And compassion here is important. So let me ask you this what is compassion? When you hear the word compassion, what comes to your mind? Maybe an example, a definition, you know, a, a thought. Like I just let's just get let's just get the ball rolling here. What is compassion? Yeah, so you're feeling kind of you want to help them. Yeah, Jocelyn. Yeah, love and sympathy, even if they don't deserve it. Ah, What else? Compassion. What is compassion? How do we define it? Yeah, Jason. Okay. So what might be an example of compassion? What's an example of compassion? How would you... If you saw something happen and say, oh, that must be compassion. Any thoughts? Compassion. Yeah. Mmm, great example. Good. Yeah, what else? Any, Any other thoughts about compassion? I mean, we just sang about it, right? Everyone needs compassion. So clearly, compassion must be very important. And so this is why you need to take time to study the Bible. And, and hear me when I say this. Yes, it's very important. It's vital to read the Bible. But how often do we say, okay, well, I need to read my Bible. So you sit down and go, done, I read it. So yes, read your Bible, but study the Bible. Take time to actually study it. And here's why this is important, okay? Okay. Because the English word compassion here in this text, it's not this definition of detached pity, like, oh, I feel bad for them because they're out there and over there. It's not the kind of compassion that, you know, as the, hol- as the Christmas is coming up, you know, you go into the stores and maybe you see the Salvation Army workers with the bells, right? You know, whenever you walk up to them and you don't expect them, they're ringing the bell real loud and you're like, oh, I feel, I feel really, you know, bad or guilty. I got to you know, grab a couple of coins and, you know, maybe some lint and you throw in there. And oh, no, I'm so sorry, right? This isn't this compassion by definition of, well, I'm just going to, eh, I'll throw a penny in. I'm a nice guy, right? That's not what this is. It's not a convenient compassion. It describes compassion which moves someone to the depth of their being. And what do I mean by that? The word compassion here in this passage emphasizes the deep emotional response that one experiences towards another person's suffering. It's not compassion out of obligation like, well, I guess I should ask them. You know when you go to the grocery store and you're like, you know, they're, they're checking out all your items and then they say something like, do you want to donate a, a dollar to end world hunger? And I'm like, You know, if I say no, what does that make me sound like? No, I don't want to end world hunger. And you know when they ask you like that? Do you want to save a dollar to end world hunger? And here I am like buying a pizza, like, ooh, right? Okay, right. But this compassion is a deep sense of empathy that demands action. And so in our pain and troubles, Jesus is pained. In our suffering, Jesus feels the suffering as his own, even though it isn't. It's a love that cannot be helped but action. And so as Jesus sees the crowd, he is filled with compassion. Not just like a little bit, like a Niagara Falls rush of compassion that compels him to act. And so this is the difference between sympathy and biblical compassion. Sympathy is passive. You know, oh, I I feel bad for them, but I'm not going to really do anything, but I feel bad for them. But compassion is so much deeper that you can't help but do something about it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. This is radical compassion. And so I want you to think about this. Do you feel that kind of compassion towards others? Have you ever felt that kind of deep sense of compassion? How about people who don't know Jesus? Do you feel sympathetic like, I mean, they don't know Jesus, but... Or do you feel a sense of compassion and go, man, these people don't know that there's hope and that they could have life everlasting? Everlasting? Because the dangerous myth we can fall into is thinking, I am compassionate because I feel compassionate. That's a dangerous myth that we can believe. Well, because I feel compassionate, that just makes me compassionate, right? You know, when they say, do you want to donate a dollar to end world hunger? If I feel compassion, that's basically the same as actually helping and doing something there's something about feeling compassionate that makes us feel like we are. But that is not biblical compassion. Because biblical compassion, and what I mean by biblical compassion is compassion as defined in the Bible, is not just an awareness of your sympathy towards others. Compassion is a verb. And so I want you to hear me when I say this. Biblical compassion is, doesn't just break your heart, it moves your muscles. Biblical compassion, it doesn't just break your heart and go, oh man, I feel really bad. But it says, I gotta do something about this. I gotta move and be led to action. And so when you encounter people who don't know Jesus, who are like sheep without a shepherd, do you respond with action Because that's what Jesus did. He, upon seeing the crowds, was moved with compassion. And that's why we see him teaching God's word, sharing with them the good news of who he is and why he is here, and healing, showing acts of mercy. And so if you claim to follow Jesus, if you would say, yes, I follow Jesus, then does any of what we see Jesus doing here describe your life? If you follow Jesus, does any of verse 35 or 36 describe your life? And I'm going to push you here a little bit. If you don't feel this way, then I believe that God wants to do a work in your heart. And I know that he can. The question is, are you willing to be changed? Because God wants to do a work in your heart to live and respond like this. The question is, are you willing To be changed. And this compassion that we see Jesus demonstrating, you know what it starts with? Verse 36 when he saw the crowds, upon seeing the people, he had compassion. And this isn't just he noticed them with his eyes, like just with his eyes, oh, I see them. Jesus truly saw them. For who they were. As he was living alongside them, talking with them, experiencing life with them, he saw them for who they really are. And you know who they are? They are like sheep without a shepherd. You know the passage in the, in the Gospels where it talks about, Jesus says where uh, he describes the one sheep that wanders away and he leaves the 99 to go after the one? We are like sheep without a shepherd. We are in the wilderness, the wolves are circling in, and there is no one there to care for us, to protect us. And I don't know if you've ever spent any time with sheep, because I'm sure clearly that's what you do in your spare time. Sheep, they are dull animals. I'm just going to say it, and I don't think they'll get, you know, get angry at me because I'd be nervous if they talked to me about it. Um, but they are dirty, and they wander Right? I've seen so many videos of like shepherds pulling sheep from the fence and the sheep's like, ha, ha, ha. And then puts, the, puts their head right back in the fence. Like that's how helpless they are. That's who sheep are. And you know what? Jesus says that's what we are like. We are sheep without a shepherd. And so friends, right here, this is our identity before Christ. Before Christ, that's who we are. We are lost sheep without a shepherd. We are upriver without a paddle. We are stuck in the wilderness with no map. And it's not only that we're lost, like just, you know, roaming around on our own. Not only are we lost, he says, they are helpless And so this word helpless here, it's not just like, oh, I need some help. I'm in trouble. This word helpless in the Greek means like we are at death's doorstep. We are utterly helpless. That's what Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Meaning nothing good is going to come as a result of being sheep without a shepherd. We are helpless without Jesus. And this is who Jesus sees them to be. He sees them for who they truly are. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are helpless, lost. And so, do you see people like Jesus does here? Do you see people like Jesus does? Do you ever think about people who don't know Jesus and start to maybe well up with tears because they are like sheep without a shepherd? You ever consider people in your life who don't know Jesus and consider how helpless and lost and without hope they are? Because that's who we are apart from Christ. We are like sheep without a shepherd. I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty, like you you should be just tearing up all the time, but when we think about who we truly are apart from Christ that should do something to our heart. And so if you're there, here's a prayer that I'd challenge you to commit to praying daily. If you want to see God start to do a work in your life in this area, write this prayer down. Lord, help me to see people like you see them, and may it move me to action. Lord, help me to see people the way that you see them, and may it move me to action. Not just help me see people the way that you see them and go, man, they are lost. Okay. You say, Lord, help me to see people like you see them and do a work in me that I need to do something. I'm not saying you just run up towards them and go, do you know Jesus? You might get kicked out of school for that. But what I mean is, do you begin to pray Okay, how how can I just show them the love of Jesus this week? What can I do to help them? How can I be Christ-like for them? And so if you want to change the world, if you want to make disciples, here's a great place to start. Compassion that stems from Jesus Christ himself. If you want to change the world if you want to begin to make disciples like he's told each and every one of you to do, that's not my words, those are his words, then it starts with compassion that stems from Jesus. Because you probably really didn't consider it deeply, but this is exactly what we just sung before this. Let me read the verse that we sang. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy Fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations. Everyone needs compassion. The gospel is for everyone. And you know what that means? Everyone needs compassion. That compassion is rooted in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, okay, well, why should I have this compassion? What's the big deal? Well, let me tell you. First John says, we love because he first loved us. And you know what? Praise God that he had compassion on each and every one of you. Me. You want to know why you should have compassion towards others? Think about the compassion that God has showed us. If you take time to study it, to think about it, to contemplate it, our response to God's compassion and mercy on us should lead us to show any kind of compassion on somebody else. If you're struggling with this concept of biblical compassion, may I encourage you to dig more into what the gospel really is. Ask your small group leaders about this. Talk to them. Because the gospel isn't just a message we believe in and move on. The gospel changes every area of our life. That Jesus died for us. And you don't know what the gospel is? Here you go. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ Died for us. While we were still helpless and wandering in the woods by ourselves, lost, helpless, on the brink of death, not just on the brink of death, we are dead in our sins. Christ died for us. That's compassion. That's compassion. That while we were still dead in our sin, Christ died for us. And when we begin to really understand that kind of compassion, that should lead us to say, you know what? I don't deserve what God has given me, but praise God that he has done it for us. I need to share this with somebody else. And I'm glad someone shared it with me. I probably wouldn't be here right now. And I'm thankful that somebody did. And so upon seeing the crowds, Jesus was moved with compassion. And then let's look at what he tells his disciples. So look back in your Bibles here, verse 37. Look at what he says to them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Any idea what that phrase means? What does that mean? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Does that mean like there's just a whole big orchard for us (laughs) waiting? What does that mean? Any thoughts, ideas? Yeah, Jason? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Other thoughts? What does that mean? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? Yeah. Yeah. There are endless opportunities to show and share the love of Christ, but there are not many people who are actually willing to go and do the work. And many people might be willing, but not many people are actually stepping out and doing the work. Jesus says, there is a plentiful harvest, but we are in need of laborers. That's what he says here. And so Jesus specifically uses this word laborers. Jesus describes the workers in his kingdom as laborers. And what does that mean? Those who work hard. This isn't just, I'm going to go out for a little bit. To be a laborer means you're going to go out and work for this mission. The work of making disciples, the mission that Jesus has given us, This is what we've been talking about all semester. This work of making disciples requires work. It's not easy. Because making disciples takes time, effort, energy, sacrifice, work. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the Bible is clear that followers of Jesus are not called to be lazy. Being lazy is actually unbiblical, and is considered a sin. And so if you want to follow Jesus, he says, let's get to work. The harvest is plentiful, and Jesus is calling his disciples to put on their work boots, put on their gloves, and step out of their comfort zone into the fields and get to work. Why? Because there are people all around us, all around you, who are lost and need Of hope, and they are looking to everything and everyone to find joy and fulfillment and life, and they are going to come up empty if it's not Jesus Christ. And so, if you've truly been born again, trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you have placed your faith in Jesus. Then it should change how you see the world, it should change how you see others, it should change how you see students in your class, it should change how you see the student at lunch who gets bullied and eats by themselves and you walk right past them every day. It should change how you interact with those in this room and it should boil up compassion that leads to action. That's what Jesus does. And so will you let Jesus change you? Or are you okay to walk away from the message of Jesus unchanged? The choice is yours. And so how does he end this passage here in verse 38? Let's look at it quickly. Verse 38 says, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so you know what's really neat here? Verse 38, we see a prayer request from Jesus He's saying, pray with every fiber of your being that God would raise up and send out laborers into the fields. Jesus is praying for laborers to go out and work. Just let that sink in for a second. And the question is, will you be one of them? I'm not going to go too deep here, but you could be the answer to a prayer that Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father for. Jesus prays, asking us to pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And so remember, too, it's God who is Lord over his harvest. Not us. I'm not in charge of the harvest. It's God. We don't do the saving. We're not the world savior. I'm not the world savior. You are not the world savior. There is one savior, one Messiah, and his name is Jesus. And that's who we are getting ready to celebrate the birth of here as we prepare in a couple weeks to celebrate at Christmas. And that's why we this Sunday we're beginning this process of four weeks, what we call Advent, this eager Anticipation that the Messiah has come. And it's God who is over the harvest, and He is sending out laborers into His harvest. And so, God is the one who brings the seeds to plants, to fruit, to harvest. God does all that work, but in His love and in His grace, He somehow still wants to use us to accomplish that work. I don't know why He wants to use us. Because I make a lot of mistakes. I'm not perfect. Shocker, right? But God wants to use us to do this work. And so since the harvest belongs to the Lord of the harvest, we are commanded to pray that he would compel workers to go out into this plentiful harvest. And so there's a lot more we could talk about, but how do we respond to this passage? What do do we... What do we do in light of this? Not, what does it mean for me? What do I want this to mean? How do we respond to what Jesus has said? Well, here are a few things. Take time to pray and ask God to help you see people like he sees them. Teach others about what God says. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. And that word proclaim in that passage, it's not this like, That proclaim means, like, I'm willing to stand up and shout it from the mountaintops because you are not ashamed. You know what? Look for every opportunity to show mercy towards others. So if you see somebody in the cafeteria who's eating by themselves, you know what would be a great way to show mercy and compassion? Go over ask them what their name is. Sit with them. Because my guess is if you were in that seat, you would want someone to do that to you, wouldn't you? And as followers of Jesus, we need to be on the front lines of sharing hope. Look for opportunities to show love and grace and mercy towards others. Ask God to move you to biblical compassion. You know what? If you want a super simple, easy step, why not invite somebody to the Christmas party next week? We're going to have games. We're going to eat a meal together. We're going to sing Christmas carols. Pretty sweet. And so, why not take a first step there and think about somebody in your life who maybe could just use some friends, some community, some hope, and say, you know what? You want to come out to our Christmas party next week? I mean, there's going to be free food. I mean, that's a first good step right there. And so, Christ like compassion should call us to action. And where does that action? To go and make disciples. God is calling us to step out and work. And so will you step out? Because, friends, there is no shortage of people who need the gospel of the kingdom of God proclaimed to them. The problem is not that there is nothing to harvest. The problem is that there are not enough laborers to go and do the work of making disciples. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so will you go? Will you go and step out in faith and say, you know what? I want to share the message of Jesus with somebody. And I'm not saying you need to, like, tomorrow stand on a table in the middle of a lunchroom and go, let me tell you about Jesus. Again, uh, you might get, I I don't know how your teacher will respond to that. But you know what? It starts as simple as finding somebody in your class who maybe needs a friend. Start right there. And so what will you do? Will you go and make disciples? Because Jesus is commanding us, calling us to go. And so the question remains, will you go or not? That's it. There's not someday, maybe, I don't know. It's kind of an option. It's will you go or not? Those are the two options. And my challenge to you is go. God wants to use you